Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming up on Commons People. This government will never accept a second referendum. Theresa May makes her latest sales pitch to EU leaders. We believe that there should be a deal. We think that Parliament should have the say on the deal. Labour prepares for a referendum showdown at its conference. Justified by... The exotic spresum. And Vince Cable has an exotic spresum. Hello and welcome to Commons People, HuffPost's politics podcast. It's really hard to say that. Um, always a mess it up. Uh, this week I'm joined by Paul War. How are you? Hello, fine. Thanks, Ned. And Rachel Wimeth. How are you, Rachel? Hi, Ned. I'm fine, thank you. So let's go straight into Brexit, I think, as always. Uh, here's a clip of Theresa May speaking at the EU summit in Salzburg. Well, there are prominent Labour uh, members, like the Mayor of London, who are now trying to take us back to square one and are backing a second referendum and postponing the Brexit day, the exit day. I want to be absolutely clear, this government will never accept a second referendum. Uh, we're at a bit of a disadvantage Uh, today because the Prime Minister is about to give a press conference in about an hour, so we don't know what she's going to say. But I guess, Paul, um, the kind of question we always ask is, are we any closer to a deal or not? Well, I suspect there's not really nudged on much at all, no no matter what um, Theresa May says at her press conference. I think that it's clear from last night, this was on Wednesday night, Mm. when she was given a full total of 10 minutes to make her case to the European Union, 27. For the first time ever, she's been allowed to talk about Brexit directly to all these leaders. And, you know, Britain's case has always been, oh, wait till we, you know, this is a political decision. It's not a dry bureaucratic decision. It's not all down to Michel Barnier and civil servants. Um, Just wait till we, you know, rally round the the political case amongst each of the leaders. Well, so far... Um, there's a, they think, number 10, there's a, some fruits of success of that. They think that there's a bit more flexibility. But overall, I just think they'll be a bit deluded if they think that the EU27 are going to somehow divide amongst themselves. They've all mm. still got a really coherent position, which is the same as it ever has been. Now, nothing much yeah. has changed in this whole debate. <laughs> they're, they're not going to divide their four freedoms. They're not going to really give up on what they say is the, the, the Irish demand on, on and mm. the British demand on a hard border and all that. So it's hard to see, really, um, just how oh, a proper shift in their position. And the real debate is going to happen in the Conservative Party, um, more and more of whom <laughs> seem to be rejecting checkers entirely. Um, and it's not just sort of people from the European Research Group who you would ex- expect to to hear any kind of concession to the EU. It's really loyal MPs, usually like Justine Greening and Mike Pennin, who are saying this yeah. is this is this her our negotiating stance is dead from the outset. Mike Penning, who was, uh, helped run Theresa May's leadership campaign, who then gave an interview to Telegraph this morning and said it, it was a dead as a dodo, I think was the yeah. quote. Yeah, so, it's I mean, quite a damaging interview. Yeah, it's all sort of like we're talking, you know, will the EU accept checkers? Well, if they push her even to a soft position, is there any chance of that getting through the Commons? I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. There's mm. still 
Keir Starmer is almost sphinx-like in his pronouncements on, on Brexit. <laughs> He's managed to get the party quite a long way from where it was. Um, they've still got on the table, in the phraseology, this idea of a second referendum. Although I, th- I think that, that really is an academic issue, but mm. we can talk about that later. What's interesting is just what, how Labour will vote. It all comes down to votes in the House mm. of Commons at the end of the day, rather than just policy positions. And will Labour, as Emily Thornberry suggests uh, last week, uh, will it really, when push comes to shove, vote against checkers, even a sort of checkers that might it might quite like, mm. but won't want to say so? It's difficult because, you know... There are, there is, I know that people in number 10 are banking on this chunk of Labour MPs who, when push comes to shove, are offered no deal catastrophe or checkers. Mm. And if that's the only two options are offered, some people in the Labour Party are so terrified of what that will do for their constituents and jobs and no deal, the, the nightmare scenario, that they're even prepared to ignore the whole idea of a general election and helping Jeremy Corbyn, which you'd normally think it would be a Labour MP's first instinct. Well, we want a general election. Well, actually, some of them think it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And therefore, what's more important is stopping WTO no deal. And they, number 10 is banking on a chunk of Labour MPs, maybe 40, maybe 50, maybe 60, to get them home on checkers. And uh, that's where the dynamic mm. could move. How many Labour MPs do you think there are who are very worried about a no deal, but really want a referendum and would vote down checkers as a method to try and, in the chaos that follows that, which it would be pretty chaotic, that the outcome could be a second referendum? How many do you think are prepared to risk that in the hope that it might end up in a better position. I think there's quite a lot who want a second referendum. There's no question a lot of, you know, a lot of Labour Party members mm. want it. Uh, will they take the risk, though, voting? But I'm against... not sure they will, because mm. at the end of the day, um, the numbers won't quite be there, because you would need the Tories to vote for a second <laughs> referendum. And this is the really important point everyone misses. Well, even if all the Labour Party backed a second referendum, and even if, you know, some Tories backed it, you can't force Theresa May to do it. There is no mechanism. You can't amend, for example. There's a deep misunderstanding about how this would work. You can't amend, say there's this meaningful vote and the government checkers thing falls. Then you can't simply tack on an amendment saying we're going to have a brand new referendum. You need a primary piece of legislation. You need government time. And it would need Theresa May to own it or a Tory leader to own the idea of a second referendum. I can't see that ever happening. Hmm. It's interesting that um, some EU leaders are raising the prospect of a second referendum. I think it's the Maltese Hmm. PM. He was a big ally of Tony Blair, quite interestingly. And um, the Czech Prime Minister as well today. Yeah, said, but um, I think it's wishful thinking. It's like it's kind of you know they're more in sorrow than anger. They're just so depressed that Britain's leaving. <laughs> Any sort of glimmer of a, a rescue plan, they'll they'll latch onto, even though they don't really think it's going to happen. I don't understand how Theresa May can go and say um, like signal towards the EU, or oh, my deal or no deal at all, when they've got the meaningful vote still to come in Parliament. I don't understand. On what basis she's able to, Unless to say that? Unless it's a meaningless vote. Unless it's a meaningless vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did find it a bit weird when you know when she said this. Uh, you know, it's checkers or nothing, and everyone made a big hoo ha about it. But the government's been saying that the vote is either a deal that they come back with or no deal for over a year. I think David Davis yeah. said that. I was kind of looking back at who said what, and I think it was March two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, he said that on Mar. That's what they've always said. I did sort of that. 
standard thing with the kind of Brexit. And that's why it does come down to this meaningful vote. Is it meaningless? Has Dominic Grieve been sold a pup? You know, he was he went away thinking, oh, well, we have actually got something secure Mm. that if we vote down the government's plan, if it's checkers or whatever, even if Parliament votes it down, technically what happens is the government has the come come to Parliament and make a statement. That's all they have to do. They have to make a statement by January the 21st. Um, you know, if if there's no deal by January 21st, they have to come and make a statement. But what will that statement say? So, <laughs> oh well. Um. I mean, you know. But on, on the other hand, if she can't make the threat, for want of a better word, of a no deal, she's probably left with significantly less leverage mm. with the EU as well. well yeah, that's true. Um, and but I suspect that she may just have to swallow. If the EU, if Parliament doesn't back what she's hammered out painfully with the EU, and she comes. Uh, and presents to Parliament, and Labour and the, and the Tory Eurosceptics vote it down. She may just think, "Look, I can't make this work. I've tried my best. I'm off." And then over yeah. to you guys. And then see. I mean, who who else can solve the Rubik's cube? I don't know. See what happens. Uh, let's move on to the Lib Dems. They had their conference this week. I'm sure all of us were paying very, very, very close attention. Lots, lots of attention. <laughs> What's your favourite bit? No, anyway, before we talk about it, here's um, an audio clip of Paul Vince Cable um, having an exotic spresum on stage. Years of economic pain justified by the exotic spresum of leaving the European Union. Economic pain felt, of course, not by them, but by those least able to afford it. So... Kind of the only thing really that got any coverage, I think, was Vince Cable's erotic spasm joke about Brexiteers, which was Cock a sh- sh- yeah, yeah, an absolutely shameless attempt to get headlines, and it worked brilliantly. I think that the Lib Dems have to do that. I think they have to kind of do that kind of over-the-top kind of quotes to get paid attention to. Him messing it up, quite embarrassing, but not the end of the world. Um, but you know, do we think the Lib Dems can revive their fortunes? I mean, this, the Brexit and the second referendum should be their thing. But people's vote, the kind of cross-party campaign, to my mind, has just totally bigfooted them. Yeah, you know, they they are the messages of that, not the Lib Dems, not the actual political party that is behind it. Well, I've had quite a quiet morning, so I had a read of um, <laughs> Vince, well, a cursory read of uh, Vince Cable's <laughs> speech, and it was almost entirely Brexit. Um, mm. they, they didn't, he didn't really raise any other points that you know you could take away from it. There was, um, I can't think again like you said the only thing that really came up again was the terrible erotic spasm part and the nothing came across about policy or about where they're going to go next and um to my mind the whole we could have a a leader who's not an mp just seems a bit gimmick gimmicky it's a long long road back for Mm. them i think i mean you know it's i know politics is volatile um but i can think the only way in which they can get into power quickly is if there is a new party and they're, they're sort of STP, Lib Dem, mm. Alliance type scenario and the new party and they become allies with the, the Lib Dems. Um, otherwise, it's a long, hard road. They are making progress at local level. Let's not underestimate that. You know, they won really quite some decent gains in local elections. You know, they trounced the Tories in places like Richmond and Kingston. Mm. You know, they went with massive landslides, big figures. Um and the Tories are worried about that on the ground, there's no question. And it's a, I suspect it's a slow process of detoxifying that coalition 
um, sort of branding that mm. they've got. And it was going to take quite a while. And it, it, more importantly, it's not going to be Vince Cable that does it. It's going to need someone like Joe Swinson, who's it's a young, dynamic leader, particularly now that Ruth Davidson looks like she's written herself mm. out of the picture. Um, someone like Joe Swinson, a young Scottish woman who could sort of sort of represent modern Britain um, compared yeah. to the other party leaders, that might really give them a, a shot in the arm. And it does but, seem like the kind of, of the leaders, um, Swinson's probably the front runner, despite, as you say, Rachel, this idea they have of letting non-MPs become leader, yeah. like Gina Miller was a, was a thing for a while. It, it, Swinson or maybe Leila Moran, to my mind, are the two. I, she, but she, she used to be a coalition minister, mm. so she's tarnished with that time. And I also think that it would be really good for them to have a sort of really competitive contest for for the next leader rather than seeming to be just a continuation of them being this middle of the road kind of party it's true but the problem is there's just so few mps to have a leadership <laughs> yeah. contest i mean it's really hard i remember when um when they had quite a few mps under under charlie kennedy you know virtually everyone piled into the leadership race you had mark Houghton, you had simon hughes you had you know don foster all these names and it's kind of like the, even david rendell an old Etonian, <laughs> thought he could really lord it over the lib dems and you had this sort of massive field like 12 people potentially running um and in the end, then I think that it does come down to the fact that they haven't got enough people. Mm. So there's not Le- enough MPs, not much choice. Leila Moran, um, the the new M- new MP, she could be good as a as is a starting to yeah. emerge, and she's given mm. interviews, which kind of signals that she might be up for a, a leadership run in the future after 2019. But I think they still suffer though from the big yeah. squeeze by the big two, uh, Labour and the Tories. And now got, you know, even though they've declined in the last year, they still have the biggest share of the vote since the 1970s collectively. So Yeah, it's taken more than a change of leader, I think, for them to really get back, won't they? Um, So looking ahead now, we're all off to Liverpool uh, on Saturday for for Labour's (laughs) conference by the the sea, which would be quite nice. Um, Actually, the party claimed to say that, or yesterday, uh, we wrote a story that it's the most financially lucrative one they've had since 2014. When Ed Miliband was leader, they were ahead in the polls going into the general election. I think it's quite interesting. Um, obviously, the, one of the big debates there is going to be, should Labour back a second referendum? Uh, here's Tom Watson this morning on Sky explaining their current position as it is. What is Labour's policy on Brexit this week? <laughs> well, it's like it was last week. We believe that there should be a deal. We think that Parliament should have the say on the deal. I know there's a big debate about uh, a people's vote. I, I repeat again what John McDonnell and Keir Starmer have said. It's not our policy, it's not in our manifesto. What we want is Parliament to decide on the deal. What we realise now... Policy, it's not in your manifesto, but you're you're certainly not ruling it out. A second referendum, are you? No, but what we've said is we want Parliament to make... First of all, we want a deal. So how much pressure is Corbyn going to come under to switch position? I think the grassroots, certainly a lot of... um Local members would look quite like a second referendum as 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 a, mm. as a as a as a certainly an option, put it that way. And but what happens at Labour Party conference for the uninitiated is you have this thing called a compositing meeting where all the different motions on the same subject are put together in a very long uh, uh, meeting on a Sunday evening, and unions, CLPs, all the different interested groups. MPs hammer it out as to what the best wording is on 
to narrow it down to one motion that people can vote on. That's where the real business is done behind the scenes. It happens on Sunday night. Um, in years gone by, you know, under Blair and Brown, you know, there were, you know, they had to hammer things out so that the unions didn't like. Um, this time, people on the centre are hoping that the union's going to help out the sort of moderates, which so things have changed a bit. But I think ultimately, this is Jeremy Corbyn's first conference where he's got almost total control of everything. He's got a huge number of delegates. Many of them are backed by momentum. So he can win the delegate votes from the local parties. The unions are obviously on board, largely. Um, and so he, he can kind of run the show. So, And also he's got people on the thing called a conference arrangements committee, which sorts out. He's got a majority there, which sorts out what is and isn't debated. So it's entirely up to him. And I suspect, given it's up to him, um, despite the ground sort of opinion for a referendum, I think they're going to fudge it and they're going to have something that's not really controversial. I think that's the only viable outcome this coming week. I think a lot I think a lot depends on what the unions do as well. I, I'm hearing the USDOR meeting this week and they're uh, quite likely to back um, this People's Vote campaign. And uh, uh, unlike the TUC, they're affiliated to Labour. They're the third biggest affiliate union. So that may yeah, it change might. the But the big, th- big thing would be if Unite, the biggest mm. union, yeah. really went for a second referendum in unison and unison so far is the same it's it's it's, i don't believe they meet on this for another six months exactly they're so scared of annoying their members Mm. both union and unison and unite that actually the very idea of a second referendum they're not really going to touch they will just again be loyal and say it should be an option i think you'll get um some more people using their platform to say we should actually be argue labor should actually be arguing for staying in the eu altogether I wouldn't right. be surprised if um, Richard Corbett uses his speech, which Tom, mm. Tom Watson gave up to him. Cause yeah, the leader of the European. If we don't know, any, if we know anything about Tom Watson, it's that he's a politician to his, his fingertips, uh, and I think um, Corbett may make the argument for remaining altogether. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, one other thing that'll be interesting up there, won't there, will be the kind of the dynamic between the leadership, momentum, and the unions, um, and Paul, you wrote a story this week about kind of how they've deferred some decisions about internal rulemaking. They kind of kick stuff down the road, haven't they? What's yeah. what's going on? Can you explain to listeners? Well, there was a it's quite very complex. lengthy <laughs> NEC meeting uh, on Tuesday. You know, it lasted nine hours, I think, um, and still broke up with no agreement on these key issues of what do you do about Labour reselection of MPs, sitting MPs? At the moment, there's a trigger ballot system. If you're an MP. Um, basically, you only need 50% support of the entire of your all your branches locally, and you you don't need to be challenged by anyone. Momentum are pushing really hard to change that rule and going for what they call an open system, which actually is code for mandatory reselection. Is that every single MP will have to fight against uh, someone else to justify that they don't have a job for life. Um, that has been a subject of bitter wrangling. Uh, the unions are not happy at all about the idea of their members being cut out locally and it being all party members deciding. So that's going to come back on Saturday night. It's going to be a fun Saturday night for everybody. Um, not watching the telly, but actually being the, uh, not quite a smoke-filled room, but in a, in a very, uh, uh, I imagine, airless room in Liverpool where they're going to hammer all this out. Um, so Suspicion-filled th- room. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they're going to do MPs reselection. And also this is other big problem with um, the leadership rules and nomination for future successors, Jeremy Corbyn. The uh, the unions have managed to get their way on this, it seems, so far, but there's been a bit of a pushback. The unions want to actually have a, a veto over... They, they will say that unless... The, a future candidate is nominated by 
5% of trade union affiliates as well as MPs and members, mm. then they won't get on the ballot paper. That's never happened before. So there's a bit of horse trading still to go on. Um, and it's hard to call really on, certainly on, I think on both of them, it's still very difficult because there's still some ir- irreconcilable differences between the unions and the members and mem- momentum. Another Labour story we had this week, Rachel, was uh, you wrote about Kezia Dugdale, the former Scottish Labour leader, who's um, had money pulled from her lawsuit. Is that right? That's Yeah, uh, broadly. What, what uh, happened there? <laughs> well, a bit of background. Uh, Kezia Dugdale, ex-leader of the Scottish Labour Party until um, she stood down in quite a... Uh, not shocking way, but it was surprised everybody. Mm. Um, she went straight on to "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here." As a oh God, contest. I forgot about that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then shortly after that, she clashed with um, a guy called Stuart Campbell, who is better known um, as the Wings Over Scotland blogger, um, very pro Scottish independence, quite um, post a lot of controversial stuff. Uh, she accused him of posting a homophobic tweet, and he is now suing her for defamation. Um, the case so far has cost around £90,000 and could climb higher. As as I'm told that Kezia's team was completely guaranteed that the Labour Party would cover all of her uh, legal right. fees um, when Ian McNichol was General Secretary. Obviously, since then, Labour has a new General Secretary in Jenny Formby and that uh, that arrangement has now been scrapped altogether and um, she's been told that she can access no more funds. It's really split the MSPs up at Holyrood. Um, some of Dugdale's allies are kind of saying this is a complete betrayal mm. um, by the leadership and but others are saying she made £70,000 when she was a I'm a celebrity contestant right. and perhaps she should ac- access some of those funds. Mm-hmm. Apparently after tax that, that 70000 is around 30000 um, and it just shows as well that, that, you know, the ongoing influence of what happens when you change the structure of a Labour Party. If you have a brand new general secretary, if you if you have a, a, someone like Ian McNichol who did a, approve some of these payments, and they've got someone like Jenny Formby who's saying, no, we're not going to spend any more money on this. It shows you in the real world on a day-to-day basis what a difference mm. in personnel makes. And it's the same throughout. There's a wider point about Labour HQ, the way under Jeremy Corbyn, again, like I just said, he's he's controls conference completely. He controls the NEC largely. It depends on the odd issue. He can't control mm. it. But boy, does he control Labour HQ now. The, you know, the common complaint from the left was that Labour HQ is run by old Blairites. They're a non-left, you know. They've all been flushed out. They've been replaced one by one, whether it's the elections chief, whether it's the polling chief and general secretary. And from, from the top down, things have changed. And and this is just a very a very stark example of how they have changed. We're going to do a quiz now. Um, it's to test how well you read the papers this morning. So the Telegraph had a great story. It was apparently a leak of a list of Tory leadership candidates oh, yeah. and their uh, sort of what's good about them, what's bad about them. So I haven't got a name for it. Guess who was something? Let's say that. I'm going to read out the descriptions <laughs> that were against each oh, candidate's name. Idea. And I want you to tell me who it is. So here's one. Um, who's this? Claims not to be interested, but is. Won't succeed too late. Which Tory potential? I think that's David Davis. Um, yeah, you could be right. Or Liam Fox. Or is it Shadid Javid? Uh, too late. It's the too late thing. I'm going to say David Davis. I'm going to go with Liam Fox. David Davis. You're right. Uh, um, how about this? Okay. Um, insufficient authority and profile in the near term. 
Ooh. Penny Morden? Pen- yeah, I was going to say Penny Morden, yeah. Yeah, Penny Morden. Oh. Two out of two so far. Okay. Um, intends to correct her errors in 26... No, this is easy. I'm not going to do that one. It was obviously Andrea Ledson. <laughs> 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 I'll do a different one that's not really, really obvious. Okay. Um, has consistently made noises suggesting he remains on manoeuvres. Future Chancellor? Sajid Javid. Ooh, David Gork? Gove. Gove. Okay, I'll do two more. Yeah. Um, on manoeuvres, probably replicating Liam Fox's strategy. Ooh, I don't know who that is. Um, I'm going to go Sajid Javid again. Gavin Williamson? Liz Truss. Liz oh. Truss. And the Fox strategy, according to this memo, yeah. is to always run in the leadership contests, just so you stay in the front line and get a better job. Whoever uh, kind of wins. quite canny, yeah. Um, okay, last one. Dark Horse, near the front of the pack, coming up on the rail. Note, oh, John Major, Hunt. 1990. Jeremy Hunt. Um, Definitely Jeremy Hunt. Okay, well, I'm going to feel stupid for saying anything else now. So <laughs> Jeremy Hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Jeremy Hunt. I would have felt stupid so, if it was <laughs> Okay, that's the quiz and the end of the show. Um, I think we'll leave, actually, with Jeremy Hunt speaking in Japanese. And this is very um, impressive. Which is very, it? very impressive. Um, goodbye, everyone. Minasan, konnichiwa. Watashi Jeremy Hunt to Moshimas, Eiko Kugaimu Daijin. Uh, When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.